Let me tell you why I think everybody needs five dogs. And you're thinking, that's a lot of dogs. That's a lot of work, a lot of dog food, and a lot of other things, a lot of dog walking. That's not what I'm talking about. D-O-G-S, Disciplines of Growth success. How do you grow? And there's five key categories that everything kind of fits into. But the key is, where do you fit into? What are you good at? What are your strengths? And there's five different ones that involve all kinds of things that include mindset and community. And are you somebody who moves the needle? Are you good at influencing other people? Are you good technically? Or where where are the things that you fit in? And here's the thing, though, in those five disciplines, you might not be good at some of those or even want to do some of those, but you have have to acknowledge they exist. And in part of your leadership journey, you're going to need some of that, even if you're not really good at it. So that's what you got to key in on is why does everybody need five dogs? And when I explain it to you, it'll make perfect sense. So we're going to get into that right now. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Welcome everyone across America and around the world as this podcast grows each week. So exciting to see listeners in Belgium, England, Poland, Ecuador, Canada, even Russia. I just think the human race is always striving for better leadership and I hope we serve you well. So share this podcast with anyone you think might be served well by it. We're on just about every platform for podcasts and you can even say, Alexa, play the Leadership Lifestyle podcast. So getting into this week's discussion, the five disciplines of exponential growth lessons from a 28-foot circle. I'll explain the circle in a minute, but first, this is a continuation of our series of podcasts getting you ready to take on next year with a purpose and a plan, not just a wish and a hope. So if you haven't, go back and check out the two two two-word sentences that always propel you forward. Why not you? And why most visions fail, but yours won't. Now we turn our attention to what areas you can specifically build on to create the best version of yourself. And this, this works for whatever you're trying to accomplish. Uh, This will help you in your current workspace. Uh, If you're trying to go out on your own, start your own business, or if you have a personal goal of something you just always wanted to do, this will help with all of that. So about that 28-foot circle I mentioned earlier, I learned these coaching techniques actually while I was coaching high school wrestling. I wish I knew then when I was wrestling, but, you know, live, learn, grow, and repeat. But the circle around the mat is exactly 28 feet in diameter. So as a wrestler back in the 1900s, when people would say, hey, would you like to go for a, for a run? I'd say, sure, about 28 feet. <laughs> but seriously, like like our other content, this is not a list of self-help ideas. Gotta put energy into these five disciplines and it will yield results. You don't have to be great at all five. And in fact, some of them are a little interchangeable with each other, but you do have to invest in all five to continuously grow yourself into the person you really want to be. So you'll definitely wanna grab paper and pen write down about where you're at in each of these five disciplines to see where you really need to invest you know unless you're driving right now don't do that if you're driving but when you get home replay this and really 
really take some notes on where you're at with these things and, and see where you need to put your time in. So the very first discipline is strength. How much can you bench, bro? We're not going to the gym and we're not talking about working out. But in the, in the professional sense, this is what I am talking about is how much can you move? How much can you do? What is your work output? You are probably promoted into a leadership position because of your output or results. The question is, especially if you're in a leadership position, is your output what's really important or your team's output important? There's some benefits to your singular output. You know, it makes you known as a resource for others. High output individuals generally get the team moving. They are also the first ones to notice problems and hopefully create easier ways to do things. You know, when you see somebody say, why do we do it this way? That might be an opportunity to really discover maybe there is a better way. But some of the problems with high output people are they're ball hogs. They're, it's hard to create a true high functioning team when one person thinks they need to do everything, especially if they're following up that with everybody else doesn't know what they're doing. Also, what I find interesting is so many times a high output person is rewarded with leading a team, but then doesn't understand why everyone else isn't on their output level. Pretty ironic since uh, they will also be the same person who will let you know that they do outperform others. So it's kind of like, well, which is it? I always, when I, when I deal with somebody like that, I always ask them, why do you, why do you think they should be on your level? If at the same time, you're telling me you're out performing everybody else. So you got to focus on what your team is accomplishing to understand where your strengths are as a leader. Um, some of you outsource, but most abilities will need to come from you and your team. So take an inventory of the things you're good at doing and be honest about the things you aren't. Remember, you're a leader, so it's not just about doing a particular function, but also how well the team moves together to get things done. So as a leader, you have two strengths to evaluate what you personally do and what your team actually accomplishes. You know, that's why I say learning leadership is continuous. Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People is almost 100 years old. And The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is 30 years old. Yet, there's so much more out there to learn and to add to your abilities and your strength to move people and move things to achieve your goals. So take a written inventory of your strengths and weaknesses, what what you're really good at, what you really make happen. Is it execution? Is it how you get the team together? Kinds of things that your strengths are and then your weaknesses. So maybe the team is constantly coming to you because they're waiting for you to fix something or do something for them. That's a strength for you, but a weakness for your team. And you got to evaluate, well, how often should I be doing that versus my team doing that? And then add a third column of what strengths just need to be done by you. Because as a leader, there's just some things you need to do. But what are those strengths so you can gauge how much can you move things? Or, or as a leader, how much do you influence things? So discipline number one is your strength, what you're good at, how much you can move. Discipline number two is conditioning. So we're not going on a long run or an insanity workout, like I said before. I only like to run about 28 feet. But talking about your strengths is about how much can you move or how much can you influence. Conditioning is about how long can you move it or influence it. You know, how consistent over time can you be? How motivated or engaged can you stay over time? Seems simple on the surface. Or just outwork everybody, right? Or or work endless hours until it's done. Kind of a great way to, great way to burn out, really. Uh, in, so in order to understand how you can be effective for the long term, you have to understand you. Quickest way to burn out besides working too much is to constantly work on things you just don't like to do 
or you're not good at. Sadly, the majority of people, you know, we're doing jobs we'd rather not do. Some people really hate what they do, but for most of us, it's just really parts of the job that we just don't like. So, you know, like let's say you're a lawyer, but you don't particularly enjoy research and writing, although ironically, that's where your most billable hours would come from. But what you really do enjoy is making a case in court, you know, interacting with witnesses and juries, giving a, a moving closing argument, because that's when you feel most alive. Maybe you're in marketing and uh, you're at your highest level of adrenaline, adrenaline when you're creating a new marketing campaign, but implementing it to the end of that marketing campaign, the execution piece really makes you cringe. You, you're like, hey, I'm the creator. And when we're actually just doing the day to day, you're not so in tune with it. So in order for a long-term success and avoiding burnout, you really have to understand what type of work is your superpower and what type of work drains your power. And you really owe it to yourself to go on a self-discovery adventure. Ask yourself, why do you do things the way you do them? I'm not saying find your dream job and it's all good because even, even in that, there's going to be parts of the job you don't like. Uh, just like in college, when you really wanted to work on classes that were only related to your major, but there were other required classes, as I say in air quotes, you just hated taking. So invest in yourself and use some tools to figure out what's your superpower, what's your kryptonite. So you can take a deep dive into who you really are with a Myers-Briggs questionnaire. I don't think I've ever met anybody that's taken it and said it didn't really describe them to a T or do you know your Enneagram number? Nine major behavior styles that once learned help you understand you or how you mentally operate. And lastly, and this just kind of came out um, from Patrick Lanchoni and the table group talking about your working genius and like what excites you. Is it wonder or invention, discernment, galvanizing, team, enablement, or tenacity? The simple fact is no matter what job you do, even if you create your own company or striving for a great personal goal, there's going to be parts of that job that just won't excite you, but you still have to show up for it. Many entrepreneurs will tell you that as you scale your company, hire people to do things either you're not good at or you just don't like to do, or just maybe you're starting to look at you know what it costs you for your time to do. You want to start outsourcing some of those things, but you still have to be in tune with what is going on with those things to protect your brand. So for whatever your goals are, personal or professional, you have to know you. Embrace your superpower and identify and accept what you're not good at or simply just don't want to do. You still might have to gut through some things for sure, but just by being real with yourself and understanding that you can elevate a tremendous amount of negative energy and focus on your strengths, that is what will keep you at a high conditioning level. After, after your self-evaluation, write down the type of work that gets you out of bed in the morning. Not necessarily a job, but the type of work because you really can find that a lot of times in your job and you just didn't think it was there. So the more, you, more time you spend on the right type of work for you, the better your long-term conditioning will be. So we talked about strength and conditioning, kind of the physical side, and that's important because think about getting enough sleep, eating right, exercising, all of those play into those sorts of things. But the third discipline is technique. I mean, do you know what you're doing? I would assume you would. 
or you'd probably be fired by now, but when did you actually stop learning the things you're doing? How long have you been in your current role and you haven't actually learned anything new in your role? Maybe a, maybe a couple of things, you know, maybe a, a software program that helps you do your job or something. But really, you think about the job you actually have. When's the last time you're, you're, you learned something new in that role? And are you leading a team right now? Do you know the average manager doesn't actually receive any kind of leadership training for up to three to four years in that position? Many times we promote people that are just really, really good at what they do. They're high output folks. So we go ahead and put them in a leadership position, but we don't teach them how to lead people. Or think of this, you're going to visit a doctor, you need a minor surgery procedure done. But so it's not necessarily your normal general practitioner. So you get referred to a specialist and some of you don't really know. So you get there and you're sitting in the office and, and explain, you know, what's going on. And the doctor's talking to you about how they're going to do the procedure. But he says, I, I did my third year residency about 15 years ago. And uh, so the procedure I'm going to be doing on you, I'm just going to do from how we did it 15 years ago. Because I haven't really learned anything. Hey, it works, but it, it just that's that's what I do. I think you would probably might want to seek a second opinion and move along. And the same thing with a lawyer. Imagine a lawyer passed the bar and then after that never reads new cases and argues from old cases. It wouldn't make any sense. But how how many times do we often, it's particularly as leaders, don't really learn anything new? Of, of what, how to, how to, how to lead other people. You know, like I mentioned earlier, Dale Carnegie's how to win friend, win friends and influence people still works. The principles still work, but that's hundred years old. Seven habits of highly effective people still work and that's 30 years old. So why learn new concepts? Well, things change. Technology changes. The workforce definitely changes. Customers change. The market changes. I mean, you think what it was 15, 20 years ago, an authoritarian type manager, sadly today, it's still kind of normal, but was very normal back then. And honestly, I think that is a lazy way of leading people that you know, anybody can park orders and uh, come up behind you a couple weeks later and verify this was done or that was done. Anybody can do that. But what they say that is soft leadership skills now actually are hard because you have to invest time. You have to have patience. You have to see what your team is capable of and guide them there. So if you're not keeping up with all of that, you can't be the go-to person if you're not constantly evolving. You know, successful CEOs read at least a book a month, some of them more. If you're an entrepreneur and you haven't worked in a traditional leadership job first, you're on your own when it comes to this leadership stuff and creating a business. You're some of you know, some of y'all just flying by the seat of your pants with that because you just don't have the training in that. So you have to constantly learn things in your industry, learn th you know, things in your profession. There's always something new to learn that helps you with your conditioning and not burning out. Because think about that. I mean, learning and discovering, that's probably when you, you're, you feel most engaged with your work. You know, it also makes you incredibly valuable to your team or your company. Constantly learning new techniques, whether it's in your profession or in leadership, that's what builds the first two disciplines of strength and conditioning. You know, in this age of technology, you know, internet community learning, all this stuff's just a few clicks away. And there's so much out there that you could listen to and read and discover. And that's how you differentiate yourself from everybody else that works around you. So we talked about three main disciplines for your own development. 
So your strength, your conditioning, your technique. The next two disciplines, that's what really takes you from being singularly successful and on to the next level, making an impact groups you show up for. So first three, we've really focused just on how to develop you, but now you got to kind of turn that into, well, how do I show up for others? And the very first of the two, so discipline number four, is mindset. And this is not as easy as willpower or just having mental toughness. Mental toughness might be enough if you were just doing one thing. So think like uh, an Olympic athlete. They're focused on that one sport. Um, that's that's all they're doing. But you know, if you're leading a team of people, running a company, you can't just simply have mental toughness. Uh, you know, just about everything in your business. Mindset works a lot like conditioning. So these two disciplines are probably the most interchangeable between the five. They really need each other, both conditioning and mindset. And it kind of goes back and forth of, you know, you build your mindset and your conditioning continues to flow. So being a person in, in, in a leadership position, you have to think about multiple mindsets, starting with yourself and then with your team. Before creating the right mindset, you have to know what puts you on the struggle bus or what puts you in the passing lane. Then you can create the right mindset. Remember in conditioning, we talked about knowing yourself with your daily work, your, your Enneagram numbers, or maybe your team Enneagram numbers, working geniuses, things like that. You really have to discover what makes people tick. I, I would bet you instinctively, you would probably know that. Just, you know how people work, you know their quirks and things like that. But to really dial in on that in a purposeful way. The mindset, how do you manage all of that? And maybe more importantly, how do you effectively manage others and their behavior tendencies? Just if you're just looking at Enneagrams alone, you could have nine different styles of how people, you know, work together in your team. You could have a strict perfectionist, a considerate helper, competitive achiever, intense creative, a quiet specialist, that's me by the way, a loyal skeptic, enthusiastic visionary, active controller, or an adaptive peacemaker. All that can just be a, a daunting task just thinking about it, which is why most leaders don't. How do you respond to challenges and business disruptions? How do you build trust with yourself and your team? How do you bring it all together and not lose your mindset? You have to set the culture table with yourself and your team first. What are the boundaries of behaviors you accept from you and your team? And I explain this in your culture level exceeds your execution level. So is your team focused on your vision, mission, and strategy? Do they even know what they are? Both of you and your team focused on daily behaviors and decisions that keep the team moving in the right direction. Those are some of the things you have to do to really set the set the, the right mindset. Because when you don't do that, when you don't set the culture table, you don't upfront say, here's how we're gonna work together. You're gonna feel like you work for the fire department and you're gonna run from one crisis to another, try to appease people, try to fix things. And, and it's not to say, if you set the culture table, it's pie in the sky, Pollyanna stuff. It, it, you're going to have conflict and disagreements. You're human beings. But at least you've got a benchmark to work from, a basic framework of how things are going to be. And in that, you will have a lot less fires. You will have a lot less emergencies. So you really want to set that up front to have a really good mindset. So you want to really understand you. You want to really understand people on your team, the ones closest to you that help you get things done. Why are they the way they are? Invite them to invest in themselves and really try to understand who they are and, and be honest with it. Then set those cultural boundaries for, for your entire team and um, really decide what your vision, mission, and strategy are going to be. So that's a good start. 
But to keep going, what you gotta do is what I call setting up mental gas station. You think about your car, it runs for years when you change the oil on time and you refill the gas tank. Mine needs that too. Remember, you have to celebrate progress. There will be down days, there will be up days. Give your mind and your body you got to do both, your mind and your body, ways to refresh. Set small benchmarks that help you get to the bigger benchmarks so you can keep refilling your mental gas tank and share that with your team because you got to refill their mental gas tank as well. So of the five disciplines, I would say mindset is the most pivotal. One, I, re I distinctly remember uh, one of my high school coaches saying, mind always quits before the body. So if you're mentally tough enough, you should pass out before you give up. Now, I'm not recommending that. It's not super healthy, but there is a big point to that. It, it is in this mindset, not, not just giving up, but redirecting how you're feeling about things. You know, just how you, uh, a country song by Clint Black years back called Thinking Again. And the whole song is about the guy thinking his way into hard times. I mean, how many times have you just thought your way into something negative or thought your way into something that just really wasn't happening, but you just felt that way? And if you didn't give yourself mental gas tanks to re-energize and to, to kind of get back into the groove, so you don't necessarily have to give up or have a bad day, but just have the wrong way of looking at things. You know, or as they say, your IQ or ability gets you in the room or your EQ or... If you're on a team, your, your daily behaviors and decisions keep you in the room and hopefully keeps your company profitable. But just remember, self-doubt kills more dreams than failure ever could. So just have the courage to just do the damn thing. Just keep going, setting the right mindset and refilling. So I would highly recommend each morning before doing anything, just set aside a few minutes to think about what is the right mindset you'll need for that day, challenges you expect that day, things you need to get done. Make sure that aligns with where you told your team where you said you were taking them or where you told yourself where you were you're taking yourself. I know we talked about morning routines before, but there's just something really productive about that. And yes, you have a couple minutes, get up a little bit earlier. I promise you, once you start doing that, you will see amazing results just in mindset alone. So we talked about four really important disciplines. And so here we are at number five. How do we how do we really get this out in the world? So the fifth discipline is community. I mean, what good are the other disciplines without other people? It's is it even possible to achieve anything worthwhile without other people? The human race was built for community. Even in this midst of COVID and so many people working remotely, many people are celebrating that they are working remotely, but you know what? A lot of times what I hear is the work is always in front of them because it's it's at home or on their kitchen table or just can't seem to get away from it. And uh, the, the other concern, you know, the longer the teams stay apart, the more people feel more like free agents than, than really team members. So you really need to think how you'll show up in the several communities that you're actually in, even if you don't realize it, you're in, you're in many work teams and professional teams. And yeah, there's a difference between the two. So think about this, like for your work team, obviously people you work with, but for professional teams, how many people have you connected on with LinkedIn that are just in your profession? You just have a, a discussion about, you know, the, the things you're, you know, if you're a human resources person or, you know, your marketing sales, whatever, just sharing ideas. How about your circle of friends? You ever heard the statement, show me three of your closest friends and I'll show you, you. You. 
Or how do you show up on social media? Use it for you? Do you use it to connect? Do you contribute or celebrate others? Or do you constantly sell or do you offer value instead? It starts to define what you're known for. So so many influencers are talking about building your own personal brand now. But you know, actually that's always been a thing. Um, I, I know like there are people that specifically do that and and that kind of thing does need to happen because of how exposed we are, you know, through social media, like there's no work in that one office and nobody knows you. You go back about 30 years, nobody would know that. And you think about all the connections you can make now through Instagram and, and LinkedIn and, and Facebook and all those things and, and sharing all kinds of different things, YouTube, um, you know, get on, uh, you know, do a TEDx uh, talk or whatever. Now, you know, you got all these other communities of podcasting. Like I said at the beginning, we got listeners all over the world now, which I would have never dreamed would happen, which is pretty, pretty cool. So we're all so connected now. And, and so building brand actually wasn't new in the sense that you were building a brand, like people knew who about you in your circle, uh, knew what your attitude was and how you handle things and all of that. And it, it, whether they like put a label on it of what kind of brand you were, do you had one? Well, you still have one. Now it's a lot more public and a lot of people are becoming more purposeful building a brand because really the best way to, to either influence a team or sell is to have a brand people know to offer value for it. So people like, you know, like John Maxwell said, people have to buy into the leader, that person before they buy into the message, kind of same thing. So we've always had brands. It's just never actually been put that way. Now that, you know, so we're so socially connected, it's a, it's a great way to show who you are. And it's also important to protect that as well. So what makes community so important is in the five disciplines, community is where the opportunities are going to come. This is where you discover, you you are discovered, and where you learn to contribute to others and lead others. You just never know what opportunities lie ahead. So just constantly prepare for them and contribute to your communities, and good things will happen. Generous with your time and your knowledge. Somebody, you, know, you think about leaders in the past that you know, your managers never told you anything because if, if the half the team got as knowledgeable as the manager, well, they wouldn't need the manager anymore, and they, they had this... Um, scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. So ask yourself, how do you show up in all your communities? Are you a contributor or are you a consumer? So if you haven't taken note, notes yet, grab a pen and some paper as review. Again, if you're driving, write down these five disciplines of exponential growth and take inventory of where you are personally at. So number one, your strength. How much can you move or how much can you influence? And are you doing the right moving and influencing or somebody else should. Number two, conditioning. What excites you about what you're doing or are you just on that hamster wheel? Just, just cranking, cranking, cranking. Sooner or later, that wheel is gonna break. Number three, technique. Do you know what you're doing? Are you constantly learning and growing? Number four, mindset. Are you proactively setting your mind up for success? Number five, community. How do you show up in your communities? Do you offer value or not? Do you contribute or not? As you improve in each discipline, they continuously build off of each other. So never stop learning and never stop connecting. But most importantly, never stop contributing to others.
Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.